Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about spiders and using the same monster too often. I'm reading a lot of Invisible Sun, and we talk about Eberron and the cover controversy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. Good morning on a Saturday in, what are we in now, September? September middle of September? Middle of September, yeah. It's the 14th today, so we're smack dab in the middle of September, which is really it awesome. Is going quick all yeah. of a sudden at the end of this year <laughs> yeah three days and we'll have descent into avernus which is really exciting um i got my copy pre-ordered and i also pre-ordered the dice um this is the first time that i've gotten the dice that come along with an adventure but uh, i was really excited for that so um because it came with like a cool map of avernus and things like that and so i was just like i gotta get this i gotta get it so that'll be really cool um, WASD 20, Nate from WASD 20 did a really good review of Descent into Avernus. You can search YouTube for that, which is cool. So if you're interested in the book, he kind of goes into a deep dive, not a deep, deep dive, but he flips through the book, um, to give a review and it looks good. Like I'm really excited. So I think it'll be fun. Yeah. I'm excited for it. Um, there's so much in it. The Blood War, A New Plane, Going to Hell, the themes of that, a real deep dive into Baldur's Gate at this point mm -hmm. and the goings-ons around Baldur's Gate. I don't think we've gotten that in 5th edition books. Maybe a little bit in the Sword Coast Adventures Guide. There was probably some blurbs there, but not a lot. Some video game stuff. We haven't had a really good D&D video game. I mean, Baldur's Gate 2 was a while ago. Now we're about to have the newest one. So that's going to give us a deep dive into the Baldur's Gate area. But everything's been water deep, water deep, water deep, or um, even Storm King's Thunder, Cholt, you know, or Nyanzaru is probably another big name that everybody knows. But now Baldur's Gate is back in our lexicon. Yeah. So I think that's kind of cool. So. Yeah, they call it, isn't Baldur's Gate like the Gotham of... I think everybody's been referring yeah. to that. It's yeah, like yeah. the Gotham of uh, Forgotten Realms. So yeah. yeah, it's like the crappy town that you want to put in your... Uh, whatever your analog is for your really bad, everybody's cutthroat, everybody's got an agenda, evil, maybe everybody is, <laughs> you're not sure. Not, yeah, not necessarily, but like, and I think they're, they're separate from, there's like an alliance between Waterdeep, Neverwinter, and the surrounding cities, and and, and I think uh, Baldur's Gate, or maybe no, it's Luskin, I think Luskin is the one that stays out of it. Um, they're also kind of cutthroat and piratey up there in Luskin, but no, it should be really good. And that's all not super tying into, but like, it'll be cool to have that backdrop of Baldur's Gate when Baldur's Gate three, the video game comes out, um, which will be really exciting to play that. And I'm, I'm super looking forward to that because, uh, we haven't gotten a, I mean, we've gotten a couple of fifth edition esque games or i guess the only one i'm really thinking of is sword coast legends which for me was kind of a letdown like i played through it and i was just like yeah it was it was moderately fun but it wasn't the experience that i was really hoping for and with how much they're pushing uh Baldur's gate 3 i think that's going to be more of the the D, D video game experience that i am am hoping for so we'll see yeah. yeah, and that's kind of where I was going to. Like, the only other type of games, you can get some on Steam. There's, like, but they're video games of the board games. So yeah, play similar to those those style of games. So I wouldn't – they are a D&D &D game, and they are D&D &D based, but they have, like, they had a Candlekeep one they had, which I guess is near Baldur's Gate stuff. So that, that mm -hmm. one kind of probably would make sense if you're trying to dive into it. But they did one for Tomb of Annihilation. They did one for Storm King's Thunder, I think. They or no, maybe it was just Tomb of Annihilation. There might have been a Strahd one. I don't remember. Mm. I get the boxed games, the the board games mixed up with the the PC games sometimes. But I did. I was out. Um, I, you guys might have saw this on Twitter, but I was digging through a closet and found the old uh, collector's edition Baldur's Gate Two, 
Shadows of Om four disc set. Nice. Disc set. Um, Before and, DVDs. <laughs> four. Uh, four compact discs. I don't even know if they are DVDs. No, it was before DVDs. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Because they could yeah. fit it all on one DVD, probably. But yeah, all this cool is stuff. Black Isle. So I thought that was kind of funny that I still had that down there. Came with a big, thick guide. The other thing I found, uh, you guys might have saw it on Twitter, but I was going to show it to you anyways. Was the I found an old circa 2000 character generator. So I believe this is a character generator for three, three five. Uh, probably three five but they probably would have just called it third edition and uh wizards of the coast so it was an actual one i'm gonna see if i can get it to work on my computer to see if it even works that'd be fun did, um windows 95 or 98 eight megs of ram and a 16x cd rom to play this people you need a 16-bit video card that can show 800 by 600 pixel res wow you can't play it <laughs> so i thought that was kind of funny i found some other stuff too that I'll, I'll probably drag out over our next couple of shows i found a stack of old dragon magazines from the 90s that is in pristine condition down in my basement so mm. i might drag a few of those out and show show some of that to them i think i have my original uh neverwinter nights um there cd still but then i bought the enhanced edition on steam so like yeah. that's that's the one that i've been playing through or did play through recently uh, but yeah, it's, it's just n nostalgia. Uh, the old, the old games. There's so much. Yeah, fun. I used to love collecting the old game boxes. So during my time, I wasn't doing a lot of RPGs at the time I was playing all kinds of games. So I was buying all these collector edition box and they all kind of made them the right size. Cause they'd all fit in, you know, like the, the GameStop store, they'd mm -hmm. fit in the, you know, whatever store you went out to, to buy your, your computer games those days, they were all those kind of like little, little book sized things you could get. So is pretty cool so but what do we do in dungeons and dragons where well, this is a dungeons and dragons news show what are you thinking what what's uh, the big news? I, I don't know if there was any big news this week right well <laughs> <laughs> um they uh eberron is coming out november 19th rising from the last war and there was some controversy about well i say controversy there was just some general dislike for the uh the cover um, and it's come to light that that was the, the cover that they announced and the cover that's currently on Amazon right now, if you want to go look at it, um, that was their, that was the cover they were going to go with. And they got such kind of, and, and the, the way the Wizards of the Coast said it is that they're like, we're always tweaking things. We're always checking stuff out. But um, generally like the, the community didn't like this cover and thought it was just kind of like a, uh, poor not poor art but poor design um the 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 way that the lady was was there with the the artificer made the artificer look like he was two inches tall when there was no perspective and things like that and so they just kind of were like we don't like this cover so the wizards of the coast released a video um a couple days ago that was like, here's the new cover that we're working on. This is what we're gonna do. Um, and I don't know, what did you think of the new cover? I tweeted it out. So if you're if you're curious about it, you can find it on Twitter. But uh, it it didn't. I, the the collector's edition cover still screams Eberron to me very much. Um, and this one has an artificer wizard and a halfling like ranger with a dinosaur pet and things like that, um, mm. which is also very Eberron esque. But uh, they're apparently in the Mornland, so they're exploring the 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 site of uh, catastrophe that happened within Eberron. Um, and I don't know, like I I didn't personally hate the old cover, but I this one also isn't like oh my gosh, like that's the coolest cover I've ever seen in the world. Like it just kind of it's like oh it seems like a fun cover, but I don't know. What did you think? Yeah, I think. I didn't think that the argument was um, if you didn't like the first cover and your argument was, I don't feel like that tells me Eberron. I don't necessarily think the second one answers your argument, though I've seen everybody say they like the second cover much better yeah. as if somehow that answered the, the argument. And I don't think that's what it was. To me, it always felt like people wanted to say they didn't like the artwork, but they didn't want to say that. They don't want to be mean to an artist. They don't want to come across as being kind of um, like they didn't like it. I liked Vi because I knew the character 
was Vi from the live shows. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was awesome that we had Vi with a with like an arcane weapon in her hand and the cool homunculus on the shoulder. But I think what everybody really didn't get into was the Warforged. I really think if, and this is my complete opinion, but I think it was the 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 way that Warforged was drawn really set people, maybe it wasn't the way they thought they were. Maybe that's not the way they imagine them. That's not the cool type of artwork they think about of a Warforged. But now you take the second one and that Warforged there looks pretty cool to me. I like the look of that one. I was wondering if you just took that Warforged from the second cover, put it on the first cover, I would get everything that I think I would want with the ship up in the corner, the way they had it originally set up. So mm -hmm. it was like a ship in, a, in up top of corner, Vi, the homunculus, and then the better version in my only opinion, and I'm not disparaging the artist that made the other one, but the other one that I like the Warforged picture of on that, I think that would have been the best cover. So I think a little bit of combination for, of the two would have been Lucian's best. You would have got me for sure. Right now, <laughs> I feel like it's like I'm I'm I like some things on one and I like some things on the other. What yeah. what about you? What do you think aesthetically? No, I mean I like the new one as well. Uh, the I, I don't know. Uh, I didn't mind the old one, so it just kind of didn't bother me. So I'm, I'm not really, there's not like, oh, this is clearly a better cover to Jordan. Uh, it mm -hmm. just kind of, uh, it just seems like, like a cover. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I'm trying to think of covers that I really like. But compare it to, I always thought the other second part of that argument was comparing that cover to all the other Dungeons and Dragons covers. So if we yeah. just look at the covers of the five E books, and we compare it to that one. Did you feel like that one was on par with the other ones? That we see, and I, I guess I don't. And the new one, like, yeah. like, like, Descent into Avernus, just feels epic and just and like I want to run that adventure. And uh, Tomb of Annihilation just felt like, oh, this is like you have the the big uh, uh, what is it the 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 devil face with a Sarak on the cover and things like that. And so I don't know, like a lot of those were just like this is really it just felt really epic and awesome and. And there's, I guess I would have liked to see more of the cities of Eberron as opposed to them just exploring the Mornland. But uh, I don't know. It, we've also built this up so much because people didn't like it that it's almost kind of like, well, now I'm just, I feel personally that I'm just being nitpicky for no reason. Like mm -hmm. it's a fine cover and I'm excited for the book. And really the content in the book is what I'm most excited for, not just like cover art. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. you know, but, but I thought that was really interesting that it, they, they did, they did, um, they said in a tweet a long time ago that it wasn't, that that wasn't the final cover. And then in this video, they basically did say that, Hey, we changed the cover you mostly because of community feedback. Um, so it was interesting for them to just kind of like quickly say, well, that's not the final cover and then come out and say, okay, we, you were right. It was commu It was because you guys didn't like the cover that we ended up changing it. So I don't know. Well, I felt like Jeremy still kind of hedged on that a little bit because in that video, he said, we were thinking about changing it. We were a week before. We were still messing with the picture and didn't quite like it. And he started the whole thing with, sometimes you mess with an image so much that you actually break it. Yeah. And that's, that's how he led into that whole conversation. And then... They said they, they got all the community feedback. They listened to it. They agreed with a lot of it and it focused in. And then they didn't change. The image is still in the book. Yeah, it's, an, it's in the first cover or something. And they or, grabbed another image yeah. from inside the book and moved it to the cover. So they did not create or commission another um, book cover art, which is kind of what we thought too, was the idea that you can't, if you have to commission that art. You can't just say, you know, with a week's time out, hey, let's whip up another whole nother cover. Right, and do right. Completely different. Although, you know, there's probably design artists that can do that stuff these days, but they don't run on that typical scale. They run on a much more corporate, much more broader scale. Yeah. So I think he kind of hedged his bet. I do agree that maybe they didn't want to say so much that they made a mistake. So they still never said they made a mistake. They more right. said, we agreed with you because we also thought there was a problem. I think Jeremy was really attached to it because it was Vi, the character he uses in his campaign. So I bet there was a little bit of, from Jeremy's side, 
um, oh, I want to have my character there. I love this character. I think that artwork's good. Mm-hmm. Whereas the rest of us who don't know who that character is might not identify with that quite yet. Not even knowing it was, I think it was a gnome, right? She's a, I think she's a gnome artificer. Um, and then like knowing that the gnomes and the halflings are slightly different than they yeah. are in fifth edition. That was another thing that if you're going to put the characters on the, on the cover that make them different then I think you, maybe you should have highlighted in some way how different these things are, maybe showing a bunch of them together or a, a city scene that has a bunch of them. So you can see what the halflings look like, what the gnomes look like, what the humans look like what the orcs look like, what the elves look like in all their differences, plus add in all the cool stuff, the the Mm -hmm. Warforged, you know, the changelings, the, I I forget all the other ones. There's like five of them in there. Shifters and yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So interesting. I think a weird controversy. Would you say, would you agree? It's the first, I feel, feels like the first time they stumbled a little bit on a release. Yeah, yeah, it does. Like all the other ones seem smooth. Um, and, and just, I guess to, I don't know, I'm just thinking of to kind of transition into Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron. Um, that cover did scream to me Eberron because it had like, uh, the, the train and, and he's on the, he's there, but that was older art. I think that was 3.5 art that they just like re recycled for, for that, that book. Um, so I don't know. And I wouldn't say that held up to the regular covers of the D and D books. No, no. meet the argument that you're saying which is hey this has the cover has to scream eberron so that you know what you're getting just like ravnica screamed ravnica when Mm -hmm. you looked at the ravnica book i felt like yep this is it i can see a planeswalker on that book ready to go this is gonna be awesome yeah eberron needs to have that thing that says hey you're in eberron you're not in kansas anymore statement and i think they even said that in the video i'm not making that up but they were saying i think the cover needs to scream that you're not in you know the sword coast anymore Mm -hmm. But what are the differences? Because I know that was one big thing they put out um, this week. Also, I saw a listing of what the differences are between what's coming in the Eberron Rising book and what about those people that bought the Wayfire's Guide? What what are they getting or what are they missing or what's right. going to be the same? Do you have that whole list? I don't, I don't um, no, I don't have the whole list, but I have the gist of it. So uh, basically they said like, because it was kind of like, hey, if I bought Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron, um, do I need to buy Eberron Rising from the Last War? Like if I already have all of this stuff in there, do I like, are they going to add the artifice to that? Are they going to do that? So apparently there's going to be changes to the races and the races will get an update in wayfinder's guide to eberron so if you bought that it's going to be the same information that's in eberron rising from the last war um which is good i guess so you're not have to be like well i have this outdated material now i have to go buy the new material they are going to add the artificer class to wayfinder's guide to eberron but only the alchemist subclass so if you want the other two subclasses you'll have to buy rising from the last war which I'm a little disappointed with because, you know, the people that really love Eberron did pick this up earlier. I feel like you kind of should throw them a bone, but instead you threw them a, um, here's like a, a, I don't know, here's a carrot to go buy this other book. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, but they didn't really say anything else other than that. Like what's going to be in there. There's, there's a lot of new pages and I think there's an adventure in rising from the last war, but wayfinders guide, um, We'll not have that, obviously, but I think a lot of the stuff that uh, like there's there's a lot of information about um, a city and I forget the name of the city. So I feel really bad. But the city in Wayfinder's Guide that I think is also going to be in Rising from the Last War. Uh, so I don't know. It's kind of and that's another thing where you were just saying, did they drop the ball on this where I feel like they they maybe preemptively made uh, Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron. Um, and a lot of people thought that that book was going to transition into a hardcover book that Mm. they were almost like pre-ordering because they're like, we want to support Eberron, but now it's like, well, no, you have to go buy another $50 book. Um, and so that was my, I was sad that they didn't include the full artificer class. I think, I think the, the Eberron rising from the last war book should stand on its own with the adventure and the extra material. But they they know that they're selling a book that has uh, a subclass in it, and people are excited for that artificer subclass. So they 
they decided not to put it into Wayfinder's Guide, um, which arguably would make it cheaper to buy a, I think like a 15 or $30 PDF. I can't remember how much the PDF is, but you know, cheaper than a $50 book. Um, and people have already bought this on D and D beyond myself included. And now I have to buy rising from the last war on, on D and D beyond as well to get all of the artificer subclasses unlocked. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, definitely felt like a stumble. I, it also just felt weird that I feel like they didn't want to maybe do a hardcover Eberron book where it wasn't planned. And then maybe because they put the PDF out and it did garner enough of an audience that they said, you know what, we should put a book out. And then they fitted it into their regular book schedule of all the other stuff they were doing. So that's why it feels like it's not as polished and they made more mistakes than they normally would because they haven't been working on that book for two years. I don't feel like that book's one they've been working on two years like they had been for Salt Marsh or they had been for Descent into Avernus or they had been for, you know, a Mordecanian's Tome or whatever it was, you know, whatever they have in the pipeline. Um, that one know. just felt like maybe it was a reaction to community want and they maybe made a couple of stumbles on the way. They, it's out, at least you get it for all yeah. those that are huge fans of Eberron World. You got your book. You're the second printed books because it'll come out in november of another world ravnica was the first one then and um Aberon will be the second so you got ahead of like dark sun or Spelljammer or greyhawk or any number of other you yeah. know settings they could have chosen Dragonlance. and you got to think about like i think also that the people like the Warforged race and use that in their home campaigns a lot. And people like the Artificer and use that in their home campaigns a lot. So I think that was maybe another reason to do that because this is the first time that we're getting a new sub or a new class entirely. Um, but those are classes and that is a race that people like to use in their home campaigns. Mm -hmm. So maybe that was another reason where it's like, we kind of need to bring these to fifth edition because people crave it. People want this stuff, you know? Uh, not necessarily, yeah. they don't necessarily want to play a game in Eberron, but they do want to play um, with those those classes and those races. So um, I don't know. And that's, I mean, I'm playing a Warforged in a homebrew campaign and I in like, I like the Warforged race a lot. And that's why I bought Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron was because I wanted that race option. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I liked Artificer a lot. I'm glad it's in an official book. Um, yeah, I hope we good. get to use it in Adventures League stuff. I hope. Um, I didn't see anything new on Eberron's Adventure League, which yeah. is the only one that's separate from the regular Adventure League. Um, but maybe that's going to be coming out soon. Maybe there's going to be an update to that. Maybe they're going to do a season nine. I don't even know if they have if they're in season one, Eberron, or if they've just they were doing season eight regular adventure league and season eight Eberron adventure league because oh, yeah. it was really two different things it was but yeah they, and you had to play things. like Eberron modules and things like that so maybe with the release of that the the Eberron adventure league will actually take off a little bit more i'm not sure so yeah yeah very cool so i threw in um some other things that are coming up because we know we have the september november release dates um so november 19th we keep saying about Eberron rising from the last war D&D uh, &D versus Rick and Morty, the box set, comes out also on November 19th, according to Amazon. So those two products will come out, and that's a box set that's like, we've been seeing lots of D&D &D box sets now. I almost feel like I should be collecting these at this point, because mm -hmm. we had the Stranger Things box set was probably the first one. Oh, well, no, I guess we would say... Um, the starter set? <laughs> the starter set would be the first, first one, right? right. Then, then maybe Stranger Things. Then we got... Um, D and D Essentials box set, and now we're going to get a Rick and uh, Rick and Morty box set also. So four different ones that you could probably grab, and I think all of those are meant to be everything's in the box that you mm -hmm. need to play, right? Like you just grab the box, you get your players. Most of them come with dice at this point, at least one set of dice, which is as minimum as you can possibly need, and just start playing. So that I think that's kind of cool. I think the artwork for all those are cool. Um, we know that um, Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus is September 17th, which is Tuesday, mm -hmm. only a few more days away. You guys will be able to go to your stores and pick your books up, or 
I assume Amazon is shipping them on the 17th. That's what I hear. 17th or will you get it the 18th? I hear you'll get it the 17th. So they're going to pre-ship it and it'll be at your house on launch day. Well, that's cool. Mm -hmm. All right. So that's coming up. I'll probably go down to my game store and try to pick mine up um, or pick one up at least. And although I'm, I'm still in that whole discussion we have, it seems like every week, this should I buy it on roll 20, which is where I'm going to play it. Yeah. And it has yeah. all the stuff there, which is $49.95. Should I go buy the hardcover book in the special cover, which would be pretty cool at the bookstore? Should I order it from Amazon like you do? Cause you get a little bit of a discount if you're like a prime member, like you get, like, what'd you pay for it? Was it like 27 or 30 bucks? I think bucks? it was 30 bucks. Yeah. So you get a little bit of money down if you, if you do the, the order, but I don't know. Or, do you go to D&D Beyond and buy it there yeah. so that you have it for your D&D Beyond? Uh, so many places to buy it. <laughs> yep. Um, I don't know. If I was going to if I was gonna play online, I think I would buy it on D&D Beyond. But I like having the physical books, so there's that too. Like, I don't think I would enjoy reading the entire adventure on, uh, on D&D Beyond, but definitely having it to like reference back and forth. And I've been thinking about buying Ghosts of Saltmarsh on D&D Beyond because I have been running Ghosts of Saltmarsh and it would be cool to, uh, you know, don't tell my boss, but it would be cool at my job if I could like prep some D&D with um, the Ghosts of Saltmarsh through D&D Beyond. Like that would be awesome. But I don't know. It's it's one of those things where I'm just like, well, I'm just not going to buy it just yet. But, you know, I, I've, I, don't buy it twice. <laughs> I have I have bought all the other books twice. Like I bought, yeah. you know, the player's handbook and the monster manual, and the dungeon master's guide. But uh, that was more for like character creation and item lookup. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that having that on D&D Beyond has helped me a whole bunch because I now have a little Chromebook that I bought that I use at the table when I play games and I can look up all of the monsters that they're fighting minus the ones that are in ghosts of salt marsh so i really just need my one book my ghosts of salt marsh book yeah um, which is really nice to to look up the monsters and then i just have one book at the table as opposed to like four <laughs> mm-hmm. i wonder too if we've hit the age of not just the dungeon master buying the material but really starting to lean on the group to pitch in to get some of the materials that make it convenient to play yeah. so maybe the dm is still buying the book for reference at the game table, but maybe the players are pitching in to make sure you guys are all up to date on the D&D Beyond portion, which is really useful to them, really useful to you as a DM. Maybe it's, you know, that kind of like everybody pitches in a buck or two per session once a week, and then that way you use that money, you pool it together, and then you can keep up to date on all the cool D&D Beyond stuff and have it there ready and accessible. Or the Roll20 version of it or, or, you know, whatever you want to spend that extra money on because we're starting to get a lot of digital aids, a lot of extra money stuff that we can, you know, more miniatures. If you're a miniature table and you want to buy those cool um, blind box sets that are, that are out, that have lots Mm -hmm. of painted miniatures. Maybe your group is thrown in a buck every, you know, once a session. And then when you get enough, you go buy a couple of those boxes and then you have them for your, you know, for your games on Saturday or Sunday or whenever. No, and that's something you just have to talk about with your gaming group. Like, uh, I know our group, uh, they did want to use D&D Beyond, and so they all ended up chipping in, like, 10 bucks to my Dungeon Master so that they could have access to the D&D Beyond character builder and build their characters in D&D Beyond. And so he was like, yeah, no, and it's a monthly fee to keep that shared with all of the players. Mm-hmm. Um, so he hasn't asked for any more money because he's a nice guy, but like, you know, if, if you were like, Hey, uh, here's yeah. another $5, I'm sure he wouldn't be bad or upset about it. So yeah. it's just kind of the same thing as like, you know, my, my other group, they all bring food to the D and D session every time. And I don't mm-hmm. because I'm running the game. And mm-hmm. so when they bring food and beer, like that's kind of like, well, that's nice of you guys to do that while uh, Jordan's efforts are really going into crafting this adventure for you. Mm-hmm. So yeah so pretty cool so those are all the release dates that we've seen so we know september november has a few things i have not seen anything december wise have you seen anything releasing in december i don't think so i don't think anything there so it'll be a while before we see anything after those two books and they do go on christmas break quite a bit so they take long a long break during that time um the other thing i noticed which i kind of put in the notes just as a as a side note kind of thing 
a bunch of groups were starting their campaigns into Descent into Avernus, streaming shows. So Ack Inc. did their live and they sent their team, um, I guess it's a minor spoiler, they're going to be heading towards um, Avernus. Roll20 Presents, Adam Kowold's group is created characters. They did a session zero this past week, and now they're going to be playing Descent into Avernus. The rest of, you know, how many sessions that'll be. Um, Blood War by Guy Schlanders also is, his group is going to be doing Avernus. And even Dragon Friends, Dave is, his group is, looked like really? they were heading also. So it's lots of groups. Now, the reason I bring that up is they're all streaming shows and they're all cool. They're all great, way better than, what we were way better than us. <laughs> but the reason I brought them up was that if you're a brand new dungeon master and you're wondering how does a new campaign kick off, how do you start a new campaign, what are the things you do, or you want to watch um, how these different people and different dungeon masters run their games, because each of those people that I listed have a very different style of running a game. So it's a really good time for any new dungeon master who wants to kind of get an idea of what other people are doing to, you know, they're all starting out in their brand new campaigns and you can see how they start those things off, which ones run session zeros, which ones just jump right in. How do they get their character groups going and, and together? And you can just kind of see all that stuff happening right now. So it's kind of a fun moment in time for those of you that are thinking about starting a brand new campaign, but are maybe worried about how you do it or, how, how it works. So there's a lot of examples out there. Mm. We had thought about it. I thought about doing, um, I have one up on roll 20 to see if I could get enough players that would play on a Tuesday night, but I haven't seen it. I will check because the first session would be next week when the book launches. So maybe there'll be more, um, people interested, but so far there, there were so many games starting up. It was hard to find because, you know, hard to find a full group at that point. So right. we'll see, we'll see if it happens or not. Because I was yeah. thinking about doing that too. So. No, and if you're, I mean, if you're interested in Descent into Vernus, this, I, I was interested in, in Waterdeep, and that's why I ended up watching a lot of like Adam Coble's Waterdeep, just kind of see how the the game kicked off and things like that. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's uh, it's 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 good stuff. Lots of and the, and those are the I, I was surprised Dragon Friends though that you wrote that down and I um, now is that their Twitch show or is that their podcast? Because I know they're separate. They do like a live show in Sydney. Um and that's their podcast, but I know that they just started a Twitch channel. Good question. Cause I don't, I'm not one of the people that watch their stuff, but they were on the D and D channel this week. They mentioned their podcast for a second, but I don't remember if they said, Hey, this is the podcast and the stream or Hey, okay. this is only the stream, but not the podcast. It sounds like they're using the same characters I think, but okay. somebody who's a fan of the show would have to tell me for sure. All I right. have not listened to theirs recently. I just know of them, but I have, it's not a show that I oh, listen man. to. Oh man, their, uh, their podcast is great. It's so funny. Yeah. And like, uh, <laughs> they do a really interesting thing where they, they give the NPCs to the players to play. So like mm -hmm. the dungeon master, he kind of adjudicates the whole thing. But like when, when an NPC shows up, he'll, he'll, give that NPC to a player. And so then the players have to interact with this NPC and it's just a lot of really, it's cool creativity. Yeah. Um, I like oh. it a lot and their, their show is quite funny. Um, they're, they're really awesome people. Um, but I have not checked out their Twitch show and I think they started a Twitch show, but one of the reasons I haven't really checked out their Twitch show is it's live in the middle of the night for America. So uh, it, they're mm -hmm. on Australia time for them. So yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know Dave's last name. They just keep referring to him as Dungeon Daddy Dave. Or yeah, I think Dungeon it's Dave Harmon. Yeah. <laughs> so a bunch of Australians, which is cool, which is relevant in my world just because I have an Australian dungeon master myself, Danimal, who's running an awesome game. Um, and so that's cool. So it's it's fun that we're playing with people from so far away. And we're all able to enjoy D&D &D, no matter what continent we're on, no matter where we're at. I think even... Greg Tito and his shows was showing like a D&D group in Taiwan that had just started up. So it was a D&D club and it was a bunch of cool pictures of people playing Dungeons and Dragons in a really cool shop that you would have found in Seattle or you would find in, you know, uh, New York or wherever. It just was built the same way of one of those cool bookstores, game stores, hobby stores, coffee shop stores. And uh, I thought it's just cool that you can get it everywhere, everywhere yeah. and anywhere. At this point, yep. So. 
And speaking of Australians and playing with uh, Australians all over the world, uh, what are you doing in games, Mr. Lucian? Nothing. I quit. I'm, I'm out. I, what? No more Dungeons and Dragons for me. I'm I'm done with it. No, I, we I had... now solely play Monopoly. I've switched yeah. over from D&D to Monopoly. Welcome to Saturday Morning Monopoly Show, where we talk <laughs> about all the strategies in Monopoly. <laughs> no, we had the very typical, very happens to every group, Everybody had some type of weird schedule thing. Somebody had to drop off. Then a second person said they might have to do something. So all games for me got rescheduled for the next week. Um, the only thing of note that you might for this last game for me is that my players have been um, TPC'd, total party captured, uh, <laughs> total party killed, total party captured, total party unconscious, TPU maybe. Um, and they are in a jail cell or a set of cells in the bottom of a black pyramid with the evildoers mm -hmm. are ready to use them for nefarious means. But we thought this was a really good spot. I had a couple of people been talking or sending me messages about, hey, could I join the campaign? They're friends. They, they know the friends that are in the game who keep talking about how great the game is. They want to play. They want to bring a character in. And uh, I finally thought, you know what? I could probably bring one more person in, turn it into a five-person group. No big deal um let's bring one more person in and see how it goes and so because they're all in jail they're going to meet the fifth person in jail fifth person mm -hmm. and that way it all makes sense why they would be there and we don't have to go through any craziness to get that person to the to the group so nice. next week will be the the infamous jailbreak and you know i've set it up so that it's going to be pretty easy for them i didn't want this to be an arduous let me ruin the player's time. Let me stamp down on their spirit. Let me torture their their players. I didn't put them in jail for that reason. Um, <clears throat> I They're there because they lost a battle, and normally the bad guys would kill the players, and it would have been a TPK. But I really felt like in this instance, and even before I kind of made this decision before we ever got into the pyramid, that the pyramid captures people all the time they send out raiding parties bring people back for nefarious means and we won't spoiler too much of that so in my mindset anytime i thought any group that goes into this pyramid if something were to happen the battle goes bad they get in over their heads people are dying technically really what's going to happen is the pyramid's going to capture them because they want to use them for other stuff right Whereas other places, I had not made that decision. So it could have been a TPK, but this one was we captured them and let them play. It's not going to be hard to break out. You can't keep superheroes in a regular cell. Um, and I don't even want it to be that big of a deal, but it was mostly that this group, they're going to, it's a way to get them to understand what's happening in the pyramid. Because right now they're just going around and killing everything they find in a room. They have no idea why the pyramid's here, how it got here, whose pyramid is it, or was it? or what is it here? What's it supposed to be doing? What is it doing right now that they don't know about? They don't know any of that stuff because they just go around killing everything. Now with them in prison, <laughs> we can slow their roll a little bit and we can dole out some cool tidbits about what is actually happening here so they can get a bigger picture. So that was the the plot device I was using for that. So just as a, a from a Dungeon Master side of it um, to give a way to, to, to give it out. Because you never want to do the big, what do they call it? The... Um, lore dump on your players like where you get the dm that just has written out five pages of stuff and they just start reading it off reading it off reading it off and the players just kind of tune out i didn't want to do that but i definitely need to give them some more information because all they've been doing is fighting so that's about it then our wednesday night game was about to happen and then a couple of people also could not make the wednesday night so we go in ahead and rescheduled that one till next week. So we will continue our dive into the tomb of annihilation. Not really a spoiler that we're in the tomb of annihilation right now. We finally made it there and that's been going pretty good, but I'm excited to get back to it, but I'm pretty sure we're going to die in the tomb of annihilation. <laughs> I just have this feeling my character, there's so many traps. There's so many things going on. It's so typical old school Dungeons and Dragons where every every turn you step on something that's going to kill somebody. Mm. And uh, I don't know if we're going to make it out. I have no idea. <laughs> so that was about it for me. Um, the only other thing I worked on. So what do you do as a dungeon master when none of your games run? 
And for most of us, probably me and Jordan, but for even the rest of you that are out there that are dungeon masters, what you do is you prep your other games or you think about new campaigns that you want to run when you didn't get to run the one you wanted. Um, you get to go back and you get to read books about new RPGs that you might have gotten in the mail. You look at new systems sometimes. Well, what I've been doing is I took this week to begin writing my adventure um, that I'm going to eventually release on DM's Guild. I finally am getting through, I think I'm almost through chapter one at this point, which is a huge milestone for me because I never, I start so many things and never finish them that it's, it's awesome. horrible. But I think I'm through it and I think I finally got something I'm okay with at this point. And I started something else I wanted to do is I wanted to create something that Sir Lucian's gaming channel was going to put out, which was a subclass for each of the classes that we have in the regular player's handbook. So I want to do one barbarian subclass, one warlock subclass, one, and I'm going to do all of them and then put that out on um, drive through RPG and just be these really weird and quirky new subclasses that I wanted to come up with. I'll give you a hint of ones called the, the demon bag sorcerer. And it's about the, it's about a five demon bag um, character who throughout the career captures demons puts them in the bag and it gives them powers by having them in that bag hmm. um and it's it's a play on a little bit of play on um big trouble in little china where the main sorcerer guy that they used as the good guys jack burton and the main sorcerer he was a, a five demon bag sorcerer hmm. so it's kind of a chinese mythology kind of a cool little thing so that was kind of a little bit of the idea for that one so just as a cool thing so i worked on that so when you have that downtime i also prepped my prison break scene which actually, amazingly enough, I had to do a lot more prep work than normal because I had to think of the different scenarios of what they might do when they come out of the room. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of ways they could go. So normally you have a good idea where your players are going. They have some momentum. You, you kind of can guess what they're going to do the next session. And you can prep just that session for the stuff you need. This time they could go north, they could go south, they could go down some stairs into a whole nother level. So I had a lot more prep to set up just in case because I didn't quite know what they're going to do when they break out of these cells. Um, so I had a lot more prep work to do there. I fleshed out a little bit of my campaign um, because I think once this piece is done, it's time to break the campaign open and show them that they're in just a very small part of the world that is a part of a much bigger part of the world and mm. start um, unraveling some of that stuff too. So it was a lot of that this week for me in Dungeons and Dragons and reading through a couple of the new RPGs that I bought um, that got me excited. Oh, I should play this or I should run a campaign mm -hmm. on this or that. So that was mine. How about Jordan? Hopefully Jordan played five or six Dungeons and Dragons games, <laughs> a couple of them. How did Jordan's week of RPGing go? Oh, Jordan's falling asleep. I gotta wake up. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, it wasn't you. I'm just like, I don't know, just, my coffee's not kicking in. Uh, I, I played one game of D&D, &D, um, but I also got my Invisible Sun box, my black cube. Um, an Invisible Sun RPG is by Monty Cook Games, and I did an unboxing on my channel. So if you're curious about uh, what's in this giant RPG thing, you can go watch that. Uh, but I've been reading that pretty like feverishly um and i read through there's four books and i read through the key which is character creation and then i read through the gate which is kind of like how to dm the game and the rules of the game and now i'm reading through the path which is um the the setting and the backstory and stuff and it's just this really surreal weird game and it's hard to put it into words but like like but what i'm reading right now is that if players die they don't they don't just die. They have a chance to become a ghost. And then you could continue playing as a ghost and actually like level up and become like a better type of ghost as you're playing. And so like death isn't the end and, and it's all this really interesting stuff. Um, and it's really focused on making cool stories and cool stories aren't, doesn't mean that you win. Um, so there is an experience mechanic in the game uh, there's three different types of experience. There's acumen, um, which is like, hey, you finished a story arc, get some acumen. And then there's joy and despair. So let's say you finished a story arc and you were successful, you earn joy. But let's say um, one of your one of your players died 
and or one of your your friends, your characters died, um, that would give you despair. Then when you combine joy and despair into crux, you can use crux to buy new abilities as well. So you kind of need to have these interesting character arcs and you need Mm -hmm. to have not only the good, but the bad to accrue enough crux to actually level up and, and get better at stuff. And so it really encourages you not to be like, well, how do I defeat this guy? It encourages you to how do I create an interesting story? Like how how does my character finish this arc? Whether it's good or bad, we need, how do I finish this this character arc? Um, and I don't understand a hundred percent of all of it yet. Um, mm-hmm. I think I need to reread the the character creation and actually build a character myself. And I printed off some character sheets so that I can actually go through and build a character myself. And I'm going to do that. But um, it's really involved. I really like it. And I was telling Lucian right before we, we went live that I almost feel like I'm too dumb to understand this. It's one of those things where there's a lot of, there's a lot of philosophy and he really wrote his own mythology, his own. um, Yeah. Mythology is the best word. He wrote all of this stuff that goes along with this, but it's unlike anything that I've read before. It's not like, Oh, well we took, the Norse gods and I basically plopped them down into a fantasy setting. And and now you have that. So, you know, there's not like that basis. Like I don't have, Oh, this, this is like, you know, Celtic mythology, or this is like this, like I don't have that basis while reading this. And so it's very new and very weird and interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. But I, I like it and I want to run it. It probably won't be until after the baby arrives maybe a month or two after that, that I actually have the time to do that. And I need to find players that are interested. I have a couple of people that are interested, but I also think those people don't know what they're getting into. Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing where I'm like, no, you, you see this black cube and you see all these props and you're like, that looks really cool. But I'm like, I don't think you really understand what you're diving into yet. So uh, mm-hmm. we'll see, but that's, that's been kind of what I've been uh, absorbing for the past week. Like like you said, you talk about you don't have a lot of games. You have a lot of extra time to do stuff. Um, I have my my show that I'm in, and I'll go and I'll get my makeup on and I'll get my costume on, and then I'll prop open this book in the and read that for the next 40 minutes while I'm waiting to go on stage. And so I've mm-hmm. just been absorbing um, Invisible Sun, which is really cool. Yeah. And, well, oh, and go that's, ahead. The reason, that's the reason you've kind of not had a lot as much stuff is because you're in a play. Yeah with a big kind of part it seemed like to me and lots of lines lots of stuff to remember lots of stuff to concentrate on when you don't need a bunch of DD games kind of distracting from that for the, <laughs> the length of that show <laughs> well and i wouldn't mind playing but it, it is it just takes up time and so usually we play in the evenings on like wednesdays or thursdays and it's like well i've got shows that night or i've got pickup rehearsals or something like that so yeah, yeah. i've been focusing a lot on that um, but I ended up did I did play some salt marsh, uh, and my players uh, got hired to recover a safe, a magical safe that's on a derelict ship that's kind of just floating in the middle of the ocean. Sure. And they found this ship. The ship is like not. It's kind of leaning to the side. All the masts are broken. Some kind of major storm has just wrecked the ship, and they've been slowly going through it. When they got on the ship, they found that it is covered in spider webs, and they found like an altar. They didn't really discover what this altar was, but uh, it it's it's something to do with spiders. Um, and so something that was something that came up through play, and mm-hmm. this is. I guess kind of a fault of the adventure is that there are like four or five rooms for them to explore that each have the same monster set. So they went to one room and they fought an Edder cap and a giant spider and a bunch of spiderlings. And then they went to the next room and I was like, Oh look, an Edder cap, a giant spider and some spiderlings. And they got to the third room. And by then I'm just like, I'm not having them fight this again. So I said, you find an Edder cap and he doesn't want to fight you. And he kind of runs away as you guys like wielding your flames because they're burning all of these spider webs out of the way. And so he ran away. But I thought that was interesting where I'm like, this is like you would think that they it's an old adventure that they updated. But like throw in some and maybe there's just not enough spider monsters, I guess. But I was kind of I thought that was interesting that every room kind of had the same group of monsters. Huh? You don't think it was a typo? You think it was... I don't know. 
or if they just kind of were like well we've got these three rooms we better put and maybe it was the path my my players took because there are different rooms but they definitely took an an interesting path that that brought them to the same (laughs) set of monsters three times in a row Right. Uh, Interesting. And, and at the bottom of the ship, they ended up fighting some zombies, some ghouls. Um, so there was that. That kind of changed things up. Um, and now that they're at the bottom of the ship, they found the safe. Um, the entire ship starts to roll back and forth. And they see um, tentacle suction hooks coming through the sides. And so there's some kind of kraken monster that's like attacking the ship. And when we start playing again, they're going to have to escape the ship with the safe um, and there's going to be lots of other monster fights and stuff like that. That because these monsters want to escape too, so they're going to be freaking out and trying to to um, do that. So uh, if you don't put a shark in that episode, I'm going to be <laughs> very disappointed. I can add a shark. Yeah, <laughs> you it's, need a big old great white shark scene of some sort <laughs> where they're on their boat. And they're just like, we need a bigger boat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. But it's it's a really cool mechanic because basically they have. Um, I think it's 20 or so rounds and you play it round by round. And the book says, you know, on round one, this happens. And then on round two through four, there's a chance that this could happen. And so they have to move this safe with their movement speed. um, And they have to get it off of this boat within 20 rounds, which is a lot of time if you think about it, but not a lot of time if they have to like slowly, you know, maybe they can move this, this, the safe 20 feet at a time and they've got to get it from the bottom of the ship to the top of the ship and then down onto a rowboat and all this other stuff. Meanwhile, the whole ship is shaking and things yeah, are happening. So to me, everything would be difficult terrain because yeah. you were talking about a sinking, listing, shaking apart ship. Mm-hmm. That that's gotta be the hardest thing you could ever try to move through quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone try to move through slowly. Yeah. Move through quickly and have a large object that you're trying to bring with yep. you or medium-sized object that's heavy whatever it might be it's just that's crazy <laughs> so i'm i'm really curious what their creativity is going to um spark because the, they're gonna have to figure out a way of getting this safe up and and i don't have the answers and i'm purposely not trying to think of answers because i want to i want to be like in the bag of holding right that's not the yeah. easy okay yeah, perfect. too big for that <laughs> too big for that they have to actually move it they have to find a way to move it. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be cool. So that's what's happening with Ghost of Saltmarsh. Wow. And then tomorrow my players were gonna play um my Shadowfell game. It's been two weeks since we played the Shadowfell game. And they're currently in a hotel called the House of the Black Lanterns. And they're trying to figure out like basically what the shadow fail is, how, the, how, where do they go from here? They kind of have figured out that they need to go to gloom rot, which is the city in the shadow fell. And that in gloom rot, there might be a way for them to get home. Um, and so in doing that, they're trying to just figure out, well, how do we get to gloom rot? So I think in this next section, we're going to have like a, not a montage, but they're going to start the travel to gloom rot. And there's going to be some difficulty along the way and they'll figure that out. Um, I, and I did a, I did a prep stream where I was streaming and I was kind of prepping D and D and I hinted then that I want to drop a major artifact into this game. And I want to drop the hand of Vecna and so I'm trying to figure out a good place to put in the hand of Vecna, and I want it to be. I want it to be all bad options. So that I want to say, like the hand of Vecna can get you home, and you could either attune to the hand of Vecna and get yourself home, but there's a chance that you become very evil. You could give it to somebody who probably wants it for evil purposes, and they could send you home, or you can try and destroy this artifact because it's evil and stay lost in the shadow fell forever. And so I want them to have this, like, there's no real good option. Which one are you going to choose? Uh, and we'll see how that works out. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have a definite plan for that yet. And in fact, um, I have some free time today before my show this evening, and I might stream another D and D prep today. Uh, we'll see if I we'll see. So either today, maybe tomorrow, but probably not tomorrow. Um, but yeah. And so we'll, we'll do some more, some more live streaming D and D prep, which is kind of fun to get feedback and stuff from people while I'm, while I got to prep the games anyway, I might as well do it on a live stream is kind of the mentality. So, (laughs) so 
we know that you're a big fan of the Shadowfell, mm-hmm. and you kind of just forced your players into it. Yeah, I'm not they, a good DM. How are they? Uh, <laughs> you railroaded your players. I really did, and I feel bad. But it's it's like I want to explore these places, and so I've kind of like made it so that they. But it is it is their path home, and I will say that like this is the correct path for them to get home. So. I don't know. Your path home seems to not ever lead home. It always seems to lead to the next thing that should lead them home, but never actually home. Well, like I said, I'm a bad DM, so I don't know <laughs> what to tell you. <laughs> so how are they feeling though? Because Shadowfell is a very, I mean, the only reason I bring it up because it's an interesting place of really interesting environmental effects that are going on. There's a certain type of mood you're probably trying to present in the session it could be maybe thought of a very dreary, depressing kind of area. How do you keep that fun? Or how are, are the players still laughing a lot? Is there still a lot of joking going around? Are they really getting into it? So are they really dour and, and kind of like, you know, how's it affecting them? No, uh, I think overall my group is just a happy group. So like we have a lot of fun at the table and we are laughing and I'm, I'm trying to make it seem that it is this really depressing, dark place. But at the <laughs> end of the day, somebody makes a silly joke and we still laugh. Um, yeah. But mechanically, I'm using these things called despair cards. So mm-hmm. the original Gloomrod and Beyond Shadowfell box set came with these fourth edition despair cards that you would hand out every long rest everybody would get a despair card and that is the overwhelming like despair for lack of a better word of the shadow fell oppressing against them that they this is how it's interpreted mechanically um i took those cards and i updated them for fifth edition and so now when they're whenever there's a long rest they take a card and that might be like you feel sluggish so you have a minus 10 to your speed or you feel clumsy, you have disadvantage on attack rolls, or you like it's it has some kind of negative effect. And then in fourth edition, whenever a player would reach a milestone, they would roll a d20. If it was an 11 or higher, so a 50-50 chance, you would overcome this de- despair and it would turn into a boon. And you would ha- have like plus 10 to your movement, or you would have advantage on attack rolls. I'm changing it up that if they ever roll a natural 20, whether that's a skill check, an attack, a saving throw, as long as it's a natural 20, then they can roll another d20. And if it's an 11 or higher, they overcome this effect and it becomes a boon. Um, so that's how I've I've mechanically rolled it. Now they can gain more than one card too. Like let's say if a player goes down in combat, it's like, well, that's a really horrific thing to happen. Here, take another despair card kind of a thing. So... Uh, mm-hmm. there are, uh, I could potentially load them up with lots and lots of despair cards if I wanted to, but mechanically that's how I'm making it oppressive and, and, and despair like, but, uh, we are just a jovial group at the table. So it's not becoming this, nobody's getting into super character about it, I guess, if that answers your question. <laughs> right. Right. All right. So it was interesting. It's just a, a cool, fun what would you call it? I guess a different plane, right? That's what. Yeah, we it's a it's a it's yeah, a different, different plane. plane. So it's okay. a, it's a mimicry of the prime material plane. It's like the dark, dark twin of it, um, which is really interesting because the the city of Gloomrot is based off of a city in the uh, prime material plane, but we don't really know what city it's it's a mimic of. But uh-huh. there will be buildings that show up overnight. Or, or like a building that's been there for 10 years will be destroyed for some reason because it's, it's, a, it's reflecting the prime material plane. And if that building got destroyed in the prime material plane or is getting rebuilt, then it becomes destroyed in the Shadowfell too. So like things are kind of like growing and changing. It's this weird evolving city uh, that's really interesting. Like, I don't know, the Shadowfell's cool. Um, the Feywild's really cool too. And it's, it's fun to have them. Uh, it's fun for me to explore it. And I like this sandbox that the fourth edition uh, box set had that, uh, that I'm currently playing with. So lots of plot hooks, lots of NPCs to use. Once they actually get to Gloomrot, I'll have a whole bunch of extra stuff for them to go on and they can kind of just explore that city. So very cool. 
Um, and that's about all I did. I'm just going to keep reading Invisible Sun and um, playing games tomorrow and playing Salt Marsh on Monday, probably. Um, and then, yeah, and then I've got a, a busy week of, of shows as we're closing out um, our production of Clue, which has been really fun. So very um, I, interesting. I will say this. So I did, I'm in Clue, and I took my phone and I did a stop motion animation of the entire show. Mm -hmm. um, which is really cool. So you can see the whole play in like three minutes because it's it's a uh, uh, time lapse is what the word I was not stop motion, but time lapse. Mm -hmm. um, and I think when the show closes, I'll put that out on Twitter if anybody's interested and you can see how fast paced the show actually was and stuff. It's kind of fun. So that'll be cool. But cool. yeah, uh, right. yeah, we're we're at our hour. Anything else we need to uh, talk about before we leave? Well, guess what? Jordan, I have something really cool for our people that are watching right now. I'm going to continue streaming, even though you're going to close our show down here. I'm not going to stop streaming. I'm going to continue streaming. for the, So those of you that want to hang out for more of this afternoon, stay with me as Jordan closes us out, because we're going to jump into Borderlands 3. But don't forget to go to watch the VODs and watch YouTube. Make sure you go and subscribe if you can. And definitely check out the podcast and give us a review also because we're trying to get up into those podcaster charts yep. also. Because we're trying to do all the things and you guys can help us do all the things. Yep. And still trying to get to 1,000 subscribers. So tell your friends. Yeah. Tell your friends. Uh, we should probably do a giveaway. I think that's what's going to happen. It's coming. Uh, eventually, we'll, we'll, we'll get a maybe... Maybe Eberron or maybe uh, D and D Essentials Kit will do a giveaway. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we should do a D and D Essentials Kit giveaway or something, or some dice or something. I'll I'll dig through and see what I have, and and maybe we yeah. can do a giveaway. But thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you for liking and subscribing and sharing with your friends and doing all that other stuff. We really value all of you guys, and we super appreciate you uh, just watching the show and enjoying it. So thank you so much. Um, we will see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D. &D show. Uh, goodbye, everybody. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.